So this postseason has literally been taking years off my life, especially the past couple of rounds. We're going to talk about it. My name is Rich. We're back with the Pick and Pod. I'm joined as always by Kevin Kacheri, Ogi Oros. We got a lot to unpack today. We'll talk some Warriors in Portland. That's not best. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the Raptors. We got Bucket of the Week. Again, don't forget, hottest co- basketball content on the web, ballandroll.com. We just put together a story on Chris Brickley, famous NBA trainer. Got a lot more content coming up. If you want really hot merch, shop.ballandroll.com is your spot. Guys, let's talk. Kevin, what's happening, dude? Dude, um, got the seventh overall pick. Cried about it. Now just trying to think about a better future for Chicago. That's all. What about you, Rich? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay, and here this is a weird thing. We have this super weird dynamic, Kevin and I, where we almost spend every moment of our lives together. Yeah. But um, we're watching the draft lottery, and you just start crying. Like, Bulls get the seventh pick, and then everything's going, and it's kind of like a delayed cry. And then you're just yeah. sitting on the couch, and you just kind of start tearing up, and I'm just sitting there at the desk, and I'm like, what do I do right now? I don't really know how to react to this. <laughs> Like fucking grown man just chilling on my couch crying. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe you'll get Giannis. Um, are yeah, you doing okay? Yeah, we can only dream, man. Are you doing okay now? Uh, I mean, like, it, it, what happened was that, like, we got the pick. Yeah. I was like, okay. There, I was thinking how positive initially. I was like, okay, wait a minute. We can get a Lori again or whatever. Uh-huh. But, and then reality hit in, knowing that we just re signed our front office again. Yeah. I hate our front office. They're packs. Idiots. Yeah. They're yeah. going to find a way to run our team to the ground. Yeah. Again, it's going to be tanking forever. Yeah, they're not any good. Um, Ogie, I'll get to you in a second, but Kevin, you got a pretty big weekend coming up, right? You don't have your sister's quinceanera. It's, your, it's, her, it's, it's her confirmation, correct? Confirmation, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a Catholic thing. So uh-huh. Either it's so- going to be Indian food, it's going to be lit. So, as a Jewish dude, can you please explain to me what a confirmation is? Is it kind of like a bat mitzvah? In a way, I guess. Dude, I don't know much about it either. I got confirmed once. Oh. I'm the worst person to ask anything about Christianity. Jesus what? Christ. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's like basically getting confirmed as a Christian. That's what okay. So, you kind of get like an identification card that says like... Yeah, Kevin you Christian. Mary, officially Christian? Okay, yeah, I basically. think I got it. Ogie, yeah. I'm pretty, I think you're Catholic, right? Is that kind of how it works? Uh, Orthodox, but yeah, it sounds like a oh, Christian Orthodox, but it's it sounds like a baptism essentially. Okay, yeah, That's pretty, like a second okay. baptism in a way. Yeah. Anyway, Kevin, just wanted to kind of cheer you up there, man. Uh, you know, this, this Chicago was supposed to get the what I think the fourth pick. You yeah. did slide down to seven, but let's remember Steph Curry was drafted at seven. Uh, Jamal Murray was taken at seven. Laurie Markkinen yeah. was taken at seven. So, you know, Andre Bargnani was taken seem, at one. Johnny you know, Flynn was. Yeah. Taken. I think Johnny Flynn, the best point guard in Steph Curry's draft, got taken at four or five. There you uh-huh. go. So you, you never know, okay. man. You know, a fourth yeah. pick is a fourth pick, but there, there's there's hidden gems that could be found all throughout the draft. Oh, so. there we- for sure. I, and I love this year's draft class. It's definitely top heavy. And I'm loving some of the guards that are coming off there, like Kobe White, Darius Garland, that kid from Vanderbilt, special. So I'm excited about that. But, yo, before we go further, Ogie, how you doing, man? Well, I'm doing good. But, I mean, boys, come on. The Raptors, it, it's 2-2. Uh, yeah. Game five is tomorrow. They are on the verge of basically creating history. I'm anxious. I'm excited. I'm I'm oh. gonna have trouble sleeping tonight. It's the, you know <laughs> the same routine every few days here. 
Yeah, we're just lo- we're losing years of our life at this point. Hey, like, but Rich, come on. It's it's exciting, my man. Dude, like, how long dude, have we suffered and how long have we gone through these disappointing first and second round exits? Like it's let's dude, enjoy this, you know. Dude, it's so much fun. Like I don't want this to end. Like yeah, I want I mean, to if the Raptors win the championship in this this year, I want them to play a fifth round just cuz I don't want it to end. I mean, but, I'm, I'm yeah, just I'm like just thinking like what am I going to be doing once this series ends? Like, what, what am I going to do once this? Because literally, like, I watch the games. I go out to bars, you know, meet up with friends. Well, I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I need to find some new hobbies. I need to yeah. find something new to do in my, yeah, in my free find, time. Yeah, like, find friends. Go on to, like, Christian Mingle. Oh, yeah. Be like, hey, Raptor season's done. I need friends right now. Um, <laughs> I probably Dude. should watch I should watch more baseball. I should probably definitely th- finish my uh, master's thesis. That should be done. <laughs> I should probably like focus on school because every now and then my supervisor just messages me and he's like, "Hey, get this done," and I'm like, second quarter." <laughs> but anyways, guys, we're gonna talk a lot about the Raptors in this pod. Um, but first off, let's kind of start off with Portland and Warriors. Just like a quick recap, we won't spend too much time on it because it was kind of like a slap, but kind of wasn't because the Warriors uh, were losing and trailing for most of the series. But weirdly enough, they swept the Portland Blazers. Like I believe in three of the four games, Portland was up by like seventeen points at one point. Yeah. Like what happened in the series, Ogie? You know, it's it's <laughs> like you said. I, I don't recall ever watching a series where a team blew three whatever was whatever it was seventeen point leads. So I mean, you can't you can't necessarily say obviously that they were thoroughly outplayed in the series and, and throughout their losses because they weren't, you know, they competed. And for basically three quarters of those three games, they, they were in it, you know, they, they were favorites to win. Mm-hmm. What happened? Look, they, uh, for, for the most part, it came down to uh, lack of execution in the fourth quarter. It came down to Damian Lillard had a brutal series. I mean, let's call it what it is, uh, whether it's dealing with injuries, whether it's, you know, fatigue setting in, Really, after that Thunder series, he, he was pretty bad in the Denver series, and now he was even worse against Golden State. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we, we talked about this before. The The Blazers are incredibly reliant on Lillard and on McCollum. McCollum was a little bit better, but when you're not getting the production that you need out of out of Lillard, it, yeah. it's a problem. It's a problem. So I guess, you know, that combined with lack of execution and then, I mean, hats off to Golden State. So not only was was Kevin Durant out, and we'll we'll talk about that in more detail. Um, in that final game, they didn't have Andre Iguodala either. And yeah. uh, you know, for for those who follow the Warriors, follow the NBA, uh, you'll know that Iguodala is crucial to the to the Warriors, especially to their defense. So the mm-hmm. fact that they managed to do what they did without those those two players and getting key contributions from guys like uh, Kevon Looney, uh, Alfonso McKinney, a guy who was on the Raptors not too long ago, Quinn Cook. It's it's incredible, and look, I, I've heard people say that Steve Kerr is, you know, this may be an over-exaggeration, but one of the best coaches in history. Uh, people are saying that, you know, Steph Curry is back to playing like an MVP. My my biggest takeaway is that they're playing like a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball movement, the movement without the ball, the defense, the switching, you know, when Draymond Green has been, he was, he was amazing this series. You know, you put him in a pick and roll, this guy kept up with Lillard he kept up with, with McCollum they couldn't get by him so look you know you, you can talk about Lillard struggling you can talk about the Blazers lack of execution but I think the bigger story here perhaps is uh, just how well the Warriors played and it's it's fearsome for whoever comes out of the east because whether Durant comes back or not this team looks like they're peaking at the, the right time 
Mm -hmm. And you said, you said a ton of stuff in there, but it all goes down to just how good the Warriors were at executing. And they were down Iguodala. They're down Kevin Durant. I don't know if Warrior fans know this, but DeMarcus Cousins has been dead for about three weeks now, and he hasn't been playing either. And yet, guys like Alfonso McKinney, journeyman, he just I, – I, I think he played in Europe for most of his basketball career. Quinn Cook, he was in the G League after spending four years at UNC – or sorry, at Duke – Kevin Looney, late first round pick, who's just starting to really come into his own. Guys like that who are Jonas Jarebko as well. But that's when a lot of credit just has to go to Steve Kerr because he gets he gets kind of eaten alive a lot because he has so much star power when Durand and 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 Draymond Green and Seth Curry and Clay Thompson are there. But when you watch this team play, and when you just like take time to watch them play every single game and you just watch the off-ball movement, the how fluid their offense is, how they play defensively, like it's all so textbook and so how to just tip your hat to Steve Kerr because he just does such an incredible job. And obviously it's easier when you have such great players, but I mean, game four, they're playing in the conference finals and Damian Lillard wasn't that good and he was hurt, but Portland is still a really good team. They're a scrappy team that have been fighting this entire postseason. And the Warriors came out, even down, not stressed, continued to play their style. They came back. They won. And just a ton of credit to the Warriors. And they're a scary, scary team. One of the – I can't say enough good things about their front office, enough good things about Steve Kerr, enough good things about what they do there. Kevin Durant should be back for the finals. I don't know what's happening with DeMarcus Cousins, but honestly, who knows if they even need him. But, Kevin, what were your kind of takeaways from um, this 4 nothing series sweep? Okay, Rich, I'm going to go back to what you've quoted many times. Yep. Warriors play basketball really well. Yeah. That's it. They play basketball really well. They're so good at basketball like yeah. it's so it's such an easy statement for me to make but that's mm. that's just what it is they can yeah. be down whatever it is like they can be down 20 points but mm-hmm. we're anticipating that two minute or three minute stretch where mm. they just knock down a whole bunch of threes yeah and kevin can and i like add to that here. and can i add to that real quick First, like sometimes you watch teams play and even like you watch the raptors and sometimes you just watch them and you're like holy jesus that looks so yeah. difficult or the Milwaukee Bucks, like their stretches where it's just so difficult. But then you watch Golden State play, and the big takeaway there is just they make the game look so easy. They could be down yeah. 20, and it's just so loose. They're running. It's so smooth and easy for them. But yeah, and, and, and I would just, just one thing I would add there is I mean, they look and they are a championship team. And championship, yes. ch- championship teams, they've been, they've been there before. They yeah, know yeah. how to execute, they know sort of the schemes to go to. Uh, mm. The fact of the matter is that they've been there so many times and that they've done it so many times, they don't panic at all. You know, they, yeah. they, it's, it's literally like clockwork. Mm-hmm. No, what, what I found also amazing with the Warriors is just Steph Curry's off ball movements. I don't know if you saw the Instagram yeah. guy, uh, yep. Max oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, that kid did uh, a hilarious kind of like a rendition of uh, that play where Steph runs behind like 10 different screens and eventually finds an open shot, like gets a shot, pump fakes. Mm-hmm. steps aside and makes a shot like, yeah. that's what it is everything's under control the rest of the team knows that one of the shooters will always be open mm-hmm. Draymond Green let's not sleep on the fact what Draymond Green averaged this uh this oh, yeah. he, was he averaged player. 17 points 12 boards 9 assists 2.3 steals and 2.8 blocks 
This yeah. looks like prime dream on green. And do, do you guys remember towards the beginning of the season when teams literally weren't guarding him? Yeah. yeah. When he was when he was a liability, when teams were just literally leaving him on the perimeter, uh, not yeah. guarding him, doubling mm. uh, Clay or yeah. Steph. And yeah. look where he is now. This guy's yeah. getting shots. He's penetrating. He's creating. Mm. Yeah, it's, but, he's, but he's been th- incredible. But the thing with him is he he doesn't really take threes. So you can still keep him open on the th- along the three-point line. But yeah. just when he gets the ball like off an inbound and he just drives like right into the heart of the defense and he can still finish at the cup because he's so strong or, and he's just so smart that he can kick it out. He knows how to make the right basketball play. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Kyle Lowry or a Giannis or a LeBron James that when he just, they're just basketball geniuses, basketball savants that he, they're just always in control. They just know everything going on around them. And that's so dangerous that they can always make the right play. And that's what Draymond Green did. And Kevin, yeah. you you made that point on Steph Curry. Like he moves, like we look at Steph and we're like, he's the greatest shooter of all time. One of the best basketball players of all time. But you just watch the amount of running he does on the court. Like he works for every single shot he makes because exactly. he's a small guy. He can get bodied, but yeah. he, he moves so well. And on top of that, like to have all these screens just all there, just all working perfectly, like kind of like a domino effect. That's just another just sign of how good and fluid and ev- how everything runs in Golden State. And I think I think it's important to to add and to kind of compare what this team looks like with and without Durant. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Ke- Kevin Durant is arguably a top yeah. three, one of the top yeah. three best players in the NBA. <laughs> the, the Warriors are are not better without him. However, when he is on the court, I mean, he's putting up anywhere from, you know, sometimes 20 to 25 mm-hmm. shots. And yeah. a lot of them are, you, you kind of give him the ball at the top of the key or mm-hmm. kind of post them up mid-paint. And it's ISO, you know, he, mm-hmm. if, if he gets a double, he'll pass it around or, you know, find the open man. But a lot of the times it's kind of ISO based. So mm-hmm. now without him, this requires a lot more ball movement. It requires a lot more off the ball mm-hmm. movement. And quite frankly, it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot nicer to watch. Yeah. And... I mean, from a from a playing style perspective, it, it does seem more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, it's it's tricky because obviously they're not better without him, but mm-hmm. the style of play, I would I would argue, is is mm-hmm. better. You know, is more efficient. Yeah. So it's it's tricky. Well, that's the thing, Ogie, because with Kevin Durant there and Iggy there and Cousins there, they literally beat you on sheer talent. Like, they are the most talented basketball team in the world, like, literally ever constructed. So, even when the fluidity is not there, like, they can just literally dismantle teams based on talent alone. But now when they're they're seeing these injuries, it's kind of amazing how quickly they can adjust on the fly and just make it work, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think think back to game five of Houston. Durant Mm. goes down late in the third quarter. And yeah. I, I think for mm-hmm. from for maybe like a two three minute stretch there it was mm-hmm. they you know they they were a bit a little bit confused took some time but after yeah. that in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. it, it was just domination it was back yeah. to the pre Durant Warriors mm-hmm. and that actually kind of reminded me of Game Three of the Milwaukee Bucks and Raptors series when Kyle Lowry gets uh, fouls out he's done for like the rest of the fourth quarter and and obviously the two overtimes Norman Powell fouls out and he's been balling and this is pretty much a pretty solid segue I'd say. But we're going to talk some Raptors and Bucks right now. And after going down 2 nothing, the Bucks are like, oh, it's going to be done in four. Stephen A. Smith is panicking, saying that there's no way the Raptors can hang because of the size and the depth of the Milwaukee Bucks. Fast forward to today. It's 2-2. Whole new series. Best of three. I would – and I mean – 
even though it's 2-2, the Raptors have led in this series for 75% of the time. I mean, the Raptors kind of look better than the Bucks have because of that. Like, obviously, one, both there were two games that they were close. One team won one, the other team won the other, and then there were two blowouts. But the Raptors have controlled the lead for 75% of the series. And obviously, the Bucks still have to be favored because until the Raptors win a home game, they're not going to finals. Oh, sorry, in the away game, they're not going to get to the finals. But lots of things to come that we can kind of dissect in this series now. So, Ogie, you're a Raptor fan. Then we're going to jump over to Kevin. What did you kind of see? Like, how did the Raptors really adjust from game two, game one and two to game three and four? So, look, my, my prediction when we spoke on the last podcast was Raptors in seven. I, I'm not going to lie. After game two, <laughs> obviously, I was worried. And, you know, I, Obviously, there is some recency bias here because after watching the Raptors really put on their best performance in a really long time, you would go as far as to say that they're looking better right now, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. That's the thing about the NBA. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to a few years ago, if you guys remember, when the Raptors took on the, uh, took on the Cavs. Uh, they lost the first two games in really blowout fashion, came back to Toronto, won both of their games comfortably, and then Cleveland went on to win in six. Now, obviously, the circumstances are different. There's no LeBron, and the Raptors obviously have Leonard now. Um, but that's the thing about basketball. You never know. Sometimes it's really a game-by-game type thing, so all we could do is hope for the best. But in regards to what I saw, um, you know, there were, there were nice little adjustments, I think, that were made, starting obviously with uh, putting Kawhi Leonard on, on Giannis. Uh, Kyle Lowry spent some time on Middleton. And, you know, Kawhi is obviously getting a lot of a lot of credit and it's well deserved for the job that he's done on, on Giannis. But I, I I have to say that it's it's a it's a really, really solid team defense approach that I'm seeing right now. Casal and Siakam are playing excellent team defense. Uh even the guards, you know, you see them frequently doubling, just crowding the paint for Giannis, uh making him a shooter. I think that's the first thing in terms of adjustments. And then the second thing I've, I've really seen is t- the coming out party for Norman Powell. And, and talk about good timing, because this is exactly what the Raptors have needed. You know, mm-hmm. they've needed kind of a secondary option, somebody to give them a boost off the bench. And Norman Powell's done that. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's coincided with Danny Green kind of struggling a little bit. But when you do have Norman Powell, Van Fleet even uh, contributed yesterday, you have guys like Gasol and Ibaka putting up numbers. Um, it's just, it's, it's, they're playing like a team. And you, you know, you look yesterday, if you were to have told me that the Raptors would beat the Bucks by, what was it? 15, 16, 17 with Kawhi Leonard scoring less than 20 points. I would have said, you know, what are, what are you talking about? You're crazy. There's no chance of that because what we've seen up until basically yesterday, um, was a heavy dose of Kawhi. And as Kawhi goes, so do the Raptors. But mm-hmm. if we're going to go by yesterday, that isn't the case. And we could talk about obviously Kawhi's potential injury woes and, and concerns a little bit later. But what I'm seeing is key adjustments that have been made on the defensive end. I'm seeing a, a team defense approach against Giannis. I think the Raptors have done a better job against him than honestly any team in the NBA this year. Who said um, they would? Yeah, it's it's been crazy. And credit to the coaching staff for kind of creating a scheme. But <laughs> I just I really like the way this team is playing on both mm-hmm. ends. And the fact that they're getting production from basically all eight guys is exciting. And it has me hopeful. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And I'm, before I swing this over to Kevin, the cool thing with Kawhi's performances are the Raptors are 3-0 and in these playoffs when Kawhi scores under 25 points, which is kind of incredible. And it also shows that when Kawhi doesn't perform, how the rest of the team picks him up. 
And on top of that, Norman Powell has been a complete revelation in this series. And it seems like the Raptors have just cashed in their playoff playoff Powell uh, coupon in this series. And they definitely need it because I don't know what's happening with Danny Green. And I, I'm kind of assuming that once the playoffs are over, there's going to be an announcement that Danny Green's undergoing like life-threatening surgery for something. But Kev, you've been watching the series. You watch yes, game. You watch game games one and two. You've watched games three and four. Who do you think has the edge going into game five? Because the Raptors have made their adjustments in games three and four, sure. and now no, it's the Bucks. I, I think the biggest key here, more than any adjustment, is the home court advantage. Mm-hmm. I think that plays a huge factor, and we've seen it between game one and uh, game, game one and game two, and then game three and game four. Mm-hmm. When they're away, all these young guys in Milwaukee, they've seemed flustered. They seem mm. like they don't know what they're doing. Pat Connaughton is not doing what he should be doing. Mm-hmm. He's only averaging 3.5 points. I yeah. think he's capable in the right assist situation to mm. average at least 10 points per game. Chris yeah. Middleton is also having a rough time. You guys yeah. are doing an amazing job shutting down every other pieces around Giannis mm-hmm. during your home games. Yeah. Which is amazing. But also, Giannis is being shut down, too. Kawhi is playing impeccable defense, mm-hmm. meeting this great freak. Yeah. Like, that name matches this guy, just purely because of his stature, like the magnitude that he carries around. Mm-hmm. He's meeting him at the rim, to the point where Giannis is practicing step-back three-point shots in mm-hmm. pregame warm-up, where he's yeah. breaking all of them. He's shooting mm-hmm. 23% from the three-point line right now. You're not giving him any open three-point shots like the uh, Celtics did. Well, actually, and you're, you're you're shutting him down inside too, yeah. Which is amazing. I love that. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, I'm still gonna stick with my pick. Yeah. But I might have to squeeze it out to seven games and then bucks. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing is, um, I think if the Raptors go on to win this series, I think it's gonna be that adjustment that kind of wins it for the Raptors. Just putting Kawhi Leonard onto Giannis mm-hmm. because. Game like we seen him in Game Three. Kawhi was insane on Giannis, and while still scoring thirty six points in yeah. Game in Game Four. Giannis came out like with a head of steam, scored I think ten or twelve points in the fir- in the first quarter. The rest of the game, he scored thirteen points. Yeah. He didn't do he didn't do that much. Like you 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 see the boxer after the game, you see twenty five and ten, and you're like, okay, he had a pretty good game. But honestly, he was a non factor. The Raptors yeah. the Raptors did exactly what they were supposed to do in Game Four. They knew that the Milwaukee Bucks, after a loss, are going to come out with a head of steam, trying to be aggressive, and the Raptors weather that storm in the first quarter. And that's when you knew, like, the Raptors have a real good chance here. Because- yeah, let's also let's also address the switches mm-hmm. because Kawhi he plays great one on one, but yeah. of, of course, naturally there will be the screens. Mm-hmm. And when the screens happen, Siakam stepped up, Ibaka yeah. stepped up. There's mm-hmm. been many times where Giannis just tried to drive in, he yeah. met with a wall, and he's got to push back every time. Mm-hmm. And they try to reset it and mm-hmm. run down the shot clock that way. Yeah, and that's the thing. Something I've also noticed was Giannis wants no part of Marc Gasol in the paint. Like, especially oh, in game four, you you watch him get into the paint and Marc Gasol is there. He's like, nope, I'm going to dribble this out. Or, But, like, in the first quarter, he was a little aggressive. But yeah. I, I think that as the game went on and he's just getting a little more fatigued because he's forced to do more, he's like, no, no, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and the thing with – with the Bucks is even with Giannis, I kind of saw signs of like immaturity in the fourth quarter. Like you see Giannis yeah. kind of doing things that you don't usually see him do. And that's, that's where the Raptors could have an edge because they're a more veteran team. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the Milwaukee Bucks haven't really faced adversity all season long. 
They've clean sweeped the Detroit Pistons. They dismantled the Boston Celtics. This is the first bit of adversity that they're facing because, like, Giannis has been healthy all year. Middleton has been healthy all year. Like, they haven't really been dealing – they've never really dealt with anything like this before. So it's going to be really interesting to see how a really young team that hasn't ever gotten to this stage before deals with a more veteran Raptor presence. And the thing with the Raptors, before I switch it over to whoever just wanted to talk, the the Raptors are switching so effectively, and it also helps that they can defend at every position. Like – they switch with Kawhi. Pascal Siakam's there. They switch. Kyle Lowry's there. Kyle Lowry has been just so fucking good in this series. Marcus Gasol, he's been really good. Serge Ibaka defensively has been incredible. And it's and even Danny Green, like he's been struggling a ton on offense. But every now and then you just see bursts of him on defense that you're like, okay, at least he's doing that. Norman Powell has been doing good, good on defense as well. Fred Van Vliet has been feisty on defense. So it's just that the Raptors can afford to switch because they have guys who they can rely on to protect, you know. But I don't know who was just trying to talk. Yeah, just just two, two small things to add. I think one other important component uh, is the play of Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, he's their starting point guard. He's their primary facilitator. Uh, a lot of the time, he's the one breaking down his defender and kicking it out to a lot of those shooters. I mean, it's obviously sometimes it's Giannis, but a lot of the time it's Eric, it's Eric Bledsoe. And he's been a complete non-factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, in game three, he went three for 16. Last night, it was a whole lot better. <laughs> Um, so the fact that the Raptors have managed to basically neutralize him and keep him out of the game, I think is important. Now, granted, you know, they do have Malcolm Brogdon um, who, could, who could play that position and, and George Hill, who's arguably been better than than Bledsoe. But I think the fact that they've been able to neutralize uh, Bledsoe has, has made a big impact. And then one other note, Kevin mentioned uh, home courts. And, and while I do agree that obviously it's a big deal, um, one thing that I, I think works in the Raptors' favor here is that they played the first two games in Milwaukee because we all know how slow the Raptors are coming out of the gates. They've lost countless opening games. So the fact that they got those two games, those two first games out of the way in Milwaukee and that they've now been able to make those adjustments and win Mm -hmm. both of their home games, I like Mm -hmm. their chances a lot more now Mm -hmm. than I would if, you know, if they opened in Toronto. So even though they don't have the home court advantage and even though if it were to go to a game seven, Obviously, it would be in Milwaukee. I think the Raptors tend to play better as the series goes along. And I think that works in their favor. And so that's another reason to be kind of optimistic. Yeah, and I want to kind of bring up a point, and then I want to get Kevin's opinion because I think he's going to hate it quite a bit. But I'm going to go as far as saying I think the Philadelphia Sixers were a tougher matchup for the Raptors, and here's why. Here's why. Um, The Philadelphia Sixers have been very willing to close out on shooters. The Milwaukee Bucks don't close out on shooters. They're kind of daring the Raptors to shoot well. And since the Marcus All trade, like it might have like the Raptors haven't been shooting the ball that well in the playoffs, but since the Marcus All trade, they've been the best three-point shooting team in basketball. So you're daring the best three-point shooting ba- team in basketball since that trade deadline to outshoot you. And they're double teaming Kawhi Leonard even yesterday. They're double teaming a very hobble Kawhi Leonard, a dude who can barely get off the ground. And Kawhi Leonard is just drawing all that attention in, and he's just kicking it out, and there's open shots. The Raptors are getting so many open shots in this series, not like they did against the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think the Sixers also had that maturity with Jimmy Butler that when there's adversity, a guy like Jimmy Butler is there. Yeah, I don't think the Bucs really have that because they're all so young. I think Giannis is incredible. I think he's literally a superstar. 
but he's so young. He's never dealt with this sort of adversity. And you just see him doing too much when, when nothing's going for, for the Bucks. So To build on that, I mean, the the Bucks are so dependent on Giannis because their team is, is basically all role players. Yeah. Brooke Lopez is not going to create shots for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mirtich is not going to create shots for himself. Chris Middleton struggles. He, you know, the, the odd step back jumper, but he, he's not necessarily somebody who's going to create shots for himself either. So, yeah. with the exception of kind of Malcolm Brogdon, all of these other guys, Ilyasova too, mm-hmm. they require Antetokounmpo to be effective. They require him to be able to get by his man, draw attention, get into the paint, and kick out. And yeah. when that isn't happening, they're in trouble. So I think that's another key difference between the Sixers because Jimmy Butler could create his own shot. You could post up Embiid. Um, ben Simmons, you know, he, he could drive here and there. Reddick's a spot-up yeah. shooter. But I think that they're so dependent on Giannis and all these role players really need him to be playing well. And when, when he's not playing well, you're getting the three for 16 games for Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. You're getting Lopez not really being a factor. Miritich missing countless threes. So mm-hmm. I think that's another positive moving forward. So, Kevin, would you kind of agree with my point then with the kind of comparison with the with the Sixers and the Bucks? Like, yeah. I'm not. And, and before I say that, I'm not saying the Bucks are. I think the Bucks are a better team than the than the Sixers. I want to get sure. that out there. I just think but, that Bucks aren't doing what they should be doing to neutralize what the Raptors want to do. Yeah, no, dude, you nailed it right in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Just purely because I'm also highlighting what Ogie said. When the offense does get stagnant mm-hmm. with the Bucks. There's nothing they can do. They've tried a lot of pick and roll. They revert back to their good old-fashioned pick and roll. That's it. They're not yeah. running any other yeah. plays. They're just trying to free up Giannis so he can go dissect the defense and kick it out or dunk it. That's it. Yeah. But meanwhile, if you look at Philly, Jimmy G. Buckets, you know what I feel about the guy. He's one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, I you'd marry, if I wasn't around, you'd probably marry him. Yeah, 100%. One, wait, what? 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 Okay, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. But, yeah, no, Jimmy G. Buckets, he's so mature to the point where, like, say nothing's happening. He will take the ball. He will back him up. He will shoot it. Mm-hmm. But nobody in the Bucks are doing that except for, for some reason, Brooke Lopez is trying to do that. He is shooting while there's defenders on his face while mm-hmm. he's dribbling right up. That yeah. worked in game one, but it hasn't happened afterwards. Yeah. He's got to stop that. He's got to stop that. Only take shots that are open. I mean, Marcus All is doing what he should be doing, taking all open shots only. Mm-hmm. I think that's their downfall. Like, nobody else is doing anything on that team. And yeah. it's sad watching this just because this is Eastern, uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And you the- want to see a battle, mm-hmm. not a slap. Yeah. Come on, Milwaukee, step it up. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like, I can guarantee you, they're not. Uh, game five is going to come, and they're not going to make that adjustment. Brooke Lopez is not mm. going to step out and pre- guard Marcus All. No. That's not going to happen because that's not what he is. He's he's slow. He's not going to get out there and protect the three. He's just going to let it happen. And it's incredible yeah. because the Bucks are a top five defensive team in basketball, and it's amazing how much of that is because of Giannis. Like Giannis, is literally, that entire team. Yeah. And when he struggles, you can just see everybody around him collapse. Like yeah. when Giannis fouled out in uh, Game Three, that that team kind of just folded in second overtime. And that was when the Raptors had no Kyle Lowry to go to, who has been probably the best player in this series from Game One to Four because Kawhi Leonard had his rough Game Four. No Norman Powell, who has been literally torching the Milwaukee Bucks. They were playing against. Fred Van Vliet, who was one for eleven, 
Danny Green, who was one for nine, and they couldn't figure it out without Giannis. And that's incredible. And that just shows that the Milwaukee Bucks struggle so much when Giannis is not there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still an interesting series because what the Bucks can do is they can shoot anyone out of the building. So come game five, the Raptors have to be prepared for that because I think if the Raptors come out like they did in game four, when the Bucks were going to give them that first punch in the mouth, the Raptors have to counter it and keep up because if they can do that in the first quarter and kind of weather that storm, I think the Raptors are going to be good. I don't think if, the Raptors, like it, yeah, cut, if cut. the Raptors struggle in Game Five, mm-hmm. do you guys start Powell instead of Green? Like, if Danny Green has another kind of bad game, do, do you consider starting Powell over Green, or do um, you? I, I would I would say no because I think Norman Powell has been really good in his role of coming off and giving them a secondary burst off the bench. Yeah. Because if Danny Green's not really scoring, Fred Van Vliet has one good game so far. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was after the birth of his son, so maybe it's dad's strength, so maybe he can carry it over. <laughs> and Serge Ibaka was, for the most part, he hasn't been that good offensively except for yesterday when he just blew up, right? So I would keep Norman Powell in that, that role because he's just been excelling. I wouldn't fix something that's that's not broken. Not broken, yeah. Um, but... I mean, maybe just give him more time in the fourth quarter or yeah. extend his minutes. But yeah, mm. I, th- I think you're right. I mean, the yeah. chemistry is kind of mm-hmm. created and, with Ibaka there. Yeah. And the thing is, even though Danny Green has been getting like kind of blown by at a, a couple, at a few points in the series, for the most part, he's been pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you said, the Bucks don't really have a lot of people who can create their own shot outside mm-hmm. of Giannis. The Raptors do. Like Pascal Siakam can take the ball on the court on, onto the he can put it on the floor like he did in Game Three. Yeah, Kyle Lowry can create his own shot and cre- can create his own shots for literally anybody alive. He can create shots for me if I was on the court. And then obviously Kawhi Leonard's there. Marcus Saul can do some stuff. So I think Danny Green just ha- they they just have to keep going with him and hoping he he hits some shots. And I think in Game Five it's just going to be so huge going in on the road. They need that that dude to be a good veteran, hit three, four, three pointers because that can sway the game. Yeah, and I think that's going to be big. I think Danny Green has to step up in Game Five because I think that's when the Raptors can win this series. I think if the Raptors win Game Five, I don't think the Bucks can go go back to Toronto and, and win that game because I think they're they're yeah. it's just going to be so crippled. I just don't think they're going to be able to recover from that. And that's when the youth is going to start to show. And like see, we saw the youth start to show in the fourth quarter. That's see, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting one more kind of poor performance from the Raptors. I don't know when it's going to be, but mm-hmm. I think this, this series has seven games all over it. I, I mean, mean, it's it's really, really hard to ex- for all the adjustments that they've made for the, for, to expect uh, the Raptors to win uh, mm-hmm. four games in a row. So I think even if they were to win tomorrow, I think, I kind of have a feeling they'd lose game six at home. I just think that these teams are, are so evenly matched that that it has seven games written all over it. And then all you could do is, you know, it's, it's a game seven. The, the two best words in sports, anything could happen in a game seven. Mm-hmm. And you hope that the Raptors' experience and execution and the, these sort of schemes that they've implemented come into, come into play uh, yeah. in game seven. Mm-hmm. And that being said, Kev, the Raptors are now going on the road. So obviously the Bucks have the edge being the home team and showing how they performed at home. How can yeah. the Raptors come in there and steal that one row game that they're gonna need to do if they want to make it to the finals? Honestly, keep Kawhi happy. That's it, dude. Kawhi Leonard. He like, people say it over and over again that he's a robot, but realistically, yes, he's a robot. He's able to tune out 
everything. All mm. emotions. He's able to tune out the crowd, whatever competitor is saying. He mm. will tune that out. Even if he gets 20 points, whatever, he'll get an eight, nine assists. Shut mm. down Giannis. And yeah. that, that's all it takes. Mm. As long as Kawhi is good and the knee is healthy. And uh, news was surfacing today regarding um, Pat Lowry's hand. Apparently, he's hurting more than usual. Mm. And he's been playing through pain. And it's his right hand, too. So yeah. that is an issue going to uh, forward. Also, Siakam has to start hitting those corner threes. Yeah. Yeah, he that's going to be good. And airballing those corner threes every time. And that's supposed to be his cash. Yeah. He's got to be – and he's getting those open shots too, which is nuts. Yeah, that's going to be huge. I think that's like – obviously, Danny Green has to make three or four th- big three-pointers for them because you don't know what's going to happen with Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka. Um but I think Pascal Siakam really has to make a couple of those because yeah. the Bucks offense, they can't make mid-range shots, man. Like, they're, if their offense is going to be coming from their role players, it's going to be from long range. Mm-hmm. And I don't honestly, I don't know what to expect from their second, their second unit anymore. Like, Meritich has been, like, really, really up and down. Brogdon mm-hmm. just, just laid a goose egg yesterday. Brooke Lopez, yeah. after game... Like sometimes he like looks like Steph Curry, and then other times, yeah. <laughs> and the thing with the thing with Brooke Lopez is he's either Steph Curry or he's just nothing. Yeah, he just gets destroyed if he doesn't yeah. make shots. Like when he doesn't make shots, he's a complete liability because he doesn't step out and and and, and defend the three, and he's just too slow footed when a Raptor player attacks the paint, right? Yeah. So. I mean, it, this is that's why I just think this is such an interesting series. So before we get into bucket of the week and stuff, I want to get a couple of predictions because we've been dissecting the, these next three games. And honestly, knowing knowing basketball, knowing this postseason, everything the opposite of what we said is probably going to happen. So let's go with the Raptor fan, Ogie. How do you see these next three games plan, uh, kind of playing out? Well, I, I just said I think I I think this series has seven games written all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, Whoever wins tomorrow, I think, will lose game six. Um, and then ultimately, look, I, I said I said in the last pod that the fan in me is going to say the Raptors, but now sort of the analyst and, and the basketball mind is saying Raptors. I, I think that they yes. have made the adjustments. Yes. I mean, it, I am worried, man. Leonard's, Leonard's hobbled. We're hearing Lowry's injured. I'm not sure if OG Ananobi is alive at this point. Like, I mean, He's he was not. expected to be back sooner, mm-hmm. but... Clearly not. So, look, I'm worried about the injuries. I'm worried about fatigue setting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the Raptors in seven. And when you guys say your answers, come back to me. I, I have an important question I want to ask you guys. Sure. And I'll, I'll give I'll give my take real quick. It's funny that you say fatigue because while all the talk going into game four was that the Raptors, the older team, are going to be the fatigue team, it kind of seemed like the Bucks were the team that looked more fatigued down the stretch. But that being said... I think the Raptors kind of exposed the Bucks in at home, and this might be the Raptor fan in me. It might also be the basketball mind in me. I don't know at this point. I'm just going to keep riding with the Raptors because if I don't, I'm just going to break my own heart. So I'm going to go Raptors in six because I think if I think the Raptors can take game five, that's a game they need to take. If it comes back to Milwaukee in game seven, I don't know if the Raptors can do it. So... I'm going to say Raptors in six. Kev, what do you got? You guys are going to hate me for this. I know. You're going to say the Bucks in seven. No. I'm going to say the Bucks in six. 
Dude, you Whoa. said like 20, you said 10 minutes ago. I know, ago. I know. I changed it. I changed it right now. This Come on, man. Come on, Paul no, Pierce. No, 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 no. Because if Butts secure game five, yeah. I think they will have enough momentum to go and secure game six afterwards. Giannis, I hope he feeds off that heat and comes and drops a 40-piece triple-double to secure that win in Toronto. And when he leaves the airport, purely because I'm not sure if you guys saw the videos online where any competitors that lose in Toronto and they're leaving um, at the airport, there's a whole bunch of fans over there booing them, uh, yelling trash. I want these guys to walk through with none of that. So they need to win that game. That's it. Okay, boys, I got I to gotta jump in with, with the question that's been keeping me up at night. Let's do a question, then we'll do bucket of the okay, week. So I'm seeing, these, I'm seeing these billboards in the Eden Center. I'm seeing these billboards around town. Uh, uh-huh. Hashtag Kawhi, can you stay or something like that. If we win, if we beat the Bucks, if we make it to the finals, surely he's staying? I mean, it's got to be enough. You're making it to the finals, boys. If we win the series, is he staying? Uh-huh. Kevin, you want to take this one first? Honestly, dude, um, I, I was always hesitant because I didn't want you guys to have Kawhi. It was a personal thing, not nothing else, just purely because I was jealous. I want a Kawhi on my team. I'm getting Laurie Martin and Cristiano Felicio, Chris Dunn. Man, I'm sick and tired. Give me a five-star player ready. But, like, you guys are an amazing fan base. Legit. Nowhere to look. You're willing, him, willing to get this guy a penthouse in one of your luxury hotels downtown Toronto. You're willing to let this guy eat and, die, like, drink and dying for free downtown Toronto for however long he's here for. Like, you're willing to give him your left kidney and your right kidney at the same time. Boys, I've been in a, rela- I've been in a re- relationship with my girlfriend for six years, and I hope that she doesn't listen to this. But I would <laughs> rather leave her than Kawhi leave us. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. I'm so attached <laughs> to this man. Like, he is arguably the best player in the NBA. He is the best two-way player in the NBA. He has carried no. us. He, I, I, I love him. I love Dude. him. Like I, I just I can't, like Kevin. I'm not going to be able to live with him leaving. Kevin, no, and, purely, and like I said, I off that, like Kevin. that, that in itself, he Kawhi has to see that and be like, "Yo, I'm staying." These guys Kevin. love me. What's up, Rich? We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to protect Ogie. Yeah, honestly, like if we can't like, let him here that part ever. Dude, because you know, you you know our producer Alan, he has those like minute snippets that we use for social media, and if that part honestly, is there, Ogie, you're a fire. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to Gad and see if we can get a new writer for tomorrow. Because I don't know if you're gonna survive. But, I don't know, boys. Hi, hi. I'm speechless. I mean, here's the thing. I think the first of all, Toronto's just hoeing out for Kawhi at this point. Like we're giving him everything. We should. We should. We completely should. I would hoe Absolutely out. Absolutely should. I would give up so much for Kawhi Leonard to stay. I honestly, I pay rent for this place. Kawhi can come live here. This could be a summer home. I'll live outside. Dude, he's pop. got a penthouse in Ritz Carlton waiting for him. Yeah, but he, he needs a nice to stay. Okay, that that could be his summer home. This can be his like Friday night home for when he wants to even do shrooms. I don't know. Uh, so, but like to answer your question, Ogi, um, even before the series, I thought Kawhi was staying because I, the, first of all, it's an extra fifty million dollars. It's an extra year of term. I think that's important. I think he's just been very happy with this team. I think they manage his health so brilliantly. And you just hear it all around the league. The Raptors have one of the best um, coaching staffs, the best training facilities, one of the best trainers in all of the NBA. And I think that's important, especially for a guy like Kawhi, who's going to be going into his 30s. 
um, with this new with whatever max contract he signs. I think that's important. The Raptors are winning. They have pieces that they can build around for the future. So it's just like it's not just Kawhi. Pascal Siakam's legit. There's still one more year of Kyle Lowry, and Kyle Lowry has proven time and time again in these playoffs that, like, he's an analytics darling, and I love him for that. But if you're not even an analytics darling, and you're watching him play in these playoffs, and you're like, this guy's playing like a top point guard in this league. Mm-hmm. So I think, and uh, Toronto's a great city. Like, he's supported by all of Canada up here. I think there's just so many good things here. And he doesn't seem like the type of guy who loves that California, like the California media attention. I think this is just a nice low key thing for him. And then in the summer, he can go live in California. I just think there's so many good things in Toronto that he started to like. And you just see him smiling more and just being happy. I'm, I, I, Rich, I, I, I genuinely hope you're right because I, I seriously what? worry about my well being if he leaves. And, I mean, you know, you, tu- you tune into some of these shows. I mean, I. Uh, Mainly the, the obviously the American media, and it's so frustrating because they're not even predicting anymore. It's just it's just become an assumption that they make. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, he's leaving. LeBron spoke it to him. It'll either be the Clippers or or the Lakers. He's gone. Raptors fans, and it's it's so frustrating because I feel like we're just so sensitive and, and delicate yeah. when when it comes to Kawhi. At least I am. <laughs> yeah. So you know, what can and, I say? You know, like a post post Kawhi Raptors, I think it'd be rough because with. Not Kawhi this year. I don't know where he got what it would have been, because Demar Derozan would not have been able to do what Kawhi did hmm. in the playoffs. Boys, I, I, th- I think I think for for the field of medicine, we may have a new diagnosis if Kawhi does leave. Uh, PTSD, yeah. post traumatic stress disorder. We yeah. may get a PKSD, post Kawhi stress disorder. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, we just okay. got we just we got might. we just got the title for our episode there. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Ogie, first of all. Um, I, I I hope so badly that he stays. And honestly, whether he stays or not, you're dead anyways for what you said five minutes ago. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> so for your, just for your good, I hope they win a championship this year. Um, It'd be worth it then. But on that note, let's wrap this one up. Let's do some bucket of the week. And we can do we can kind of go in many different directions. There's Skip Bayless, who's just a complete hater. There's the New York Knicks, who just completely just explode every two seconds. Um, but I think the real bucket of the week here, because we're Raptor fans, and except for Kevin, we should just give it to the Milwaukee Bucks, Coach Bud and Giannis. The amount of hate that Drake has been getting for rubbing shoulders with Coach Nurse is kind of insane to me. Like, first of all, Giannis and his reps tweeted out something that they have since deleted, just going at Drake. Coach Bud was on a conference call today talking about how inappropriate it is that Drake was is even rubbing the shoulders of Nick Nurse and honestly you're you lost by 20 points dude like who cares if you won that game by 20 you wouldn't be even talking about something like this and here's the thing here's here's a quote from coach Bud uh, in the conference call today he's like there's certainly no place for fans or whatever Drake is for the Raptors on the court first of all he is our global ambassador the dude who paid to upgrade our training facility. We have like OVO owls on our practice jerseys. He, with the Toronto Raptors organization, he's opened a ton, like a ton of co- basketball courts for underprivileged children all around Toronto. I think he's done a lot for this franchise and a lot for this team. And if Nick Nurse st- stands in front of him in his side, in his court courtside seat, let him let him rub the guy's shoulder. Nick Nurse seemed like he needed it. Milwaukee, Agreed. you guys are the buckets of the week. 
I hope you guys lose in the next two games. I can't stand you guys. Giannis, drop a zero next game. That's my take for bucket of the week. Kevin, do you agree with me? Go Bulls. Yeah, Kevin's just going through some stuff. Anyways, on that note, we talked about a lot of stuff today. Raptors, Bucks, Warriors, Golden, uh, Warriors, whatever team they swept. Games five is tomorrow. <laughs> Lots of stuff that's going to be happening down the stretch here. Hopefully the Raptors pull it out or I might not. Until next time. <laughs>